Hi, I'm Mike Dilk and you're listening to the Relax Back UK show. The show that explores all kinds of health topics relevant to you, your family and your friends. Each week I talk to expert guests from a range of backgrounds to inform and entertain you. So please do join the Relax Back UK family and stay tuned. Hi and thank you for joining me on this week's Relax Back UK show. The topic today is one that affects a lot of men. You bend down, you looking at a cabinet, the camera's on you, you can certainly see this great big bald spot and the, and the top of the hair yeah. thinning. It is thinning hair and my guest is bargain hunt celebrity Thomas Forrester who was worried about his receding hairline and uh, thinning hair and decided to do something about it. So he contacted hair transplant surgeon Chris D'Souza who carried out quite an involved procedure for him. Each follicle goes into one incision. So Thomas had, I believe, sort of 21, 2200 grafts. So that would be 21, 2200 incisions. Um, and each follicle is inserted into one incision. Stay tuned to find out what could be done to help if you're worried about losing your hair. Thank you. So the guests today are Thomas Forrester of Bargain Hunt and Chris D'Souza, a hair transplant surgeon. And I started really by exploring with Thomas what led him to take the course of action of actually going for a hair transplant. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this whole subject. And so, Thomas, if I may, I'll, I'll start with you. So you, you, you've had a hair transplant. Um, yes. You're successful. You've got a family. Everybody loves you. So I, the, the question's got to be, why? Take, take me through the thought process. Uh, I, I, I like that, that everybody loves me. Um, I don't think that's the case. Well, it's true, isn't it? Well, <laughs> so um, why? Well, um, it was something I uh, have thought about uh, and explored. Uh, since uh, my mid-40s, um, and yes, I there was a stage, you know, I turned 40, good head of hair, got, you know, mid-40s, um, and suddenly it, it was like tactical withdrawal. It was, it, it was, it was rapidly receding, and my crown was very exposed. Um, I, uh, as you know, I'm on Bargain Hunt, I'm on, you know, I do other television, uh, and Yes, uh, when one watches one's back, and you know, that's without any sense of um, uh, helping. You know, you can't. You bend down. You looking at a cabinet. The camera's on you. You can certainly see this great big bald spot, and the, and the top of the hair yeah. thinning. Um, the makeup artist artist starting to put makeup elsewhere than on your face, kind of dabbing a bit on the top to stop glare. Mike, 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 this is the BBC. This is Bargain Hunt. There is no makeup artist. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and basically, it, it was something which I was considering. Um, and I have always enjoyed, you know, I, I'm not a thin human being. I think that uh, thinning hair on a larger man and i would class myself as slightly returned um is it's quite a confidence thing really so uh being slightly bigger uh even though i try very hard not to be um and having a bald head uh, i i didn't fancy that to be candid 
it, it wasn't okay. good for my self-esteem. All right, no, no, fair enough. I, I get it. Um, so I, I'm I'm 57, and I'm I'm not. I, I don't suffer from walking down the street, people stopping me for autographs and all that. I I blend in uh, completely, uh, and you know my hair is thinning. I suppose I, it, it doesn't affect me. I'm pretty lucky. Uh, this is a very clumsy way of saying. Had you thought of having a chat with your mates down the pub or seeing a counsellor or something? Because if there was something missing, maybe you could fix it in a slightly less sort of invasive, potentially painful way. Uh, no, I hadn't considered that. No, um, it was, I suppose, Mike, what, the way I thought about it was actually a bit more pre preventative. You know, I wasn't completely bald. Um, I was thinning. But actually, if I had the procedure done now, rather than wait, it would be uh, better to have it done now. I've kept, you know, I've retained the, the hair I had before and I wasn't shedding any more. But instead of having that complete transformation of having no hair to then having lots of hair, uh, I thought actually this was the better way forward to do it sure. in, 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 a, in a subtle approach. No, I get it. Well, it, it certainly suits you and it and it it's worked. So, you know, you, you I, I can actually I haven't put my video on so you can't see my receding hairline, but I can see you and you look yeah. great. So, you know, it certainly worked. Let's bring in Chris. Um, and if if we can, maybe explain the process a little bit. So you're, you're a hair transplant surgeon. The idea of surgery kind of automatically kind of fills me with a bit of dread. I mean, is it is it under a general anaesthetic? What, explain the process. Yeah, so, so hair transplant surgery is almost always done in one, well, in our clinic, always done in one day, um, mostly entirely sort of under local anaesthetics. So um, the area is numbed up, so local anaesthetic injected similar to, to the dentist, so some sharp stings when it goes in. Um, the area goes numb and you are really moving hair from one place to another. So hair transplant surgery uh, really utilizes the fact that the back and sides of the scalp um, don't seem to be affected by, you know, male pattern hair loss. So that hair is is sort of referred to as sort of in in the permanent zone, and you're moving hair from from the back and sides to to often the top or, or the crown. Um, right. so it's that sort of you know natural result where we get sort of increased density um, in the areas required. So what do you do? You you take them out one at a time or a clump, and then kind of tell us. Yeah, so, I mean, there's two techniques. So FUE, so that's follicular unit excision. So that's the technique which Thomas had. Um, so that's where you're taking them out individually one by one. So we use a tiny punch, maybe 0 0.9, 0 0.95 millimeters in diameter, and you're punching out uh, each graft individually. But each graft is actually not only one hair, but it can be, you know, two or three hairs. So those are the sort of follicular units. Um, and you're you're moving them one by one to, you know, often, often the front or, or, or the crown. Um, and then there's the other technique, um, linear strip excision. So that's where you take a thin strip of skin. Um, and then that strip is dissected under the microscopes to, to do pretty much the same thing as FUE at the top. Um, in, in the fact that you're, you know, sort of recreating the hairline or increasing density um, where you need to. That one sounds a little more involved. You're taking off a strip of skin, dissecting it and putting it in. Yeah. So, I mean, linear strip excision, I guess, you know, that... We, we still do 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 that about sort of 15 20 percent of our cases are still linear strip excision and it can be very good uh for larger cases or for cases where 
you know, patients don't want to, to cut their hair at all. Uh, but uh, follicular unit excision certainly has become more popular. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a more flexible surgery for sure, because it allows you to wear your hair shorter in the future. Um, but both, both techniques are, you know, are still relevant. Yeah. But I mean, I think Mike, Go ahead, can Charles. I just cut in Chris? So, uh, with with mine, when um, Chris punched out that hair from the donor from the back and the sides, um, then what's what's so interesting is uh, his team is there and they're dividing them all up because you know your hair the follicles. If if I'm right, Chris, is that some will have one hair in, some will have two, three, fours, and rarely fives. Some mm -hmm. of the, the you know, five little strands of hair. And so these guys, they're like artists, right? Uh, and they've got them all in different uh, 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 Petri dishes, haven't you? Yeah, yes. all being kept, all being kept, you know, in, in as they're taking them out. And, and the guys are in them with their microscopes looking at ones with twos, threes and fours. And then the art of the surgeon, uh, Chris, is then thinking, right, well, where do we place them? And that that's his... That's his uh, one of his brilliant skills. Okay, so you've got a hair follicle um, from a clump of three, four, or five. You take one, you've got it in your tweezers, Chris. What next? Right. How do you get it into Thomas's head? Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're, they're placed in with forceps. So essentially, there's sort of three steps really when it comes to hair transplant surgery. Um, you know, number one, I suppose, is the incision making. So that's where the grafts are going to go. So that's you know, me essentially deciding on the angulation, the depth and the density. Um, the second step is taking those graphs out safely. Um, and as Thomas said, the, the, uh, the surgical assistants are under the microscope looking at each one of those follicles individually, sorting them into ones, twos and threes. Um, and then the final step is is slotting them in. Um, and obviously that should be done. You don't at... slot each of those into an individual hole. You make an, an incision and then put two or three little clumps into each no. incision or something. No, no, each each follicle goes into one incision. So Thomas had, I believe, sort of 21, 2200 grafts. So that would be 21, 2200 incisions. Um, and each follicle is inserted into one incision. Wow. How, this You say this is like one day surgery. This sounds like a long day to me. It is. It is a long day. I mean, we, you know, we, we start at nine, maybe finish at four, four thirty five. Um, so it's a long day for sure. Um, but the results are great. I mean, the 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 you know the, the way hair transplant surgery has evolved has evolved from plugs where it used to be sort of four centimeter uh round sort of big plugs and that's what gave that sort of doll's hair appearance but now because it's all done you know on a very sort of micro scale of you know 0.9 millimeter um round punches then you know that's how you get the the nice sort of natural um, and subtle results yeah i get it now that that is the hair on your head kind of different depending where it grows. So if you take hair from, you said the sides, it tends to stay and put it somewhere where it tends to disappear. Do you end up with sort of slightly different sort of hair? So it looks a bit different and feels a bit different. No, I mean, the, the you know, scalp from the back and sides is, is you know, comparable, not, not, not pretty much the same to the front. I mean, the, the key in getting a natural result is to use those ones, twos and threes effectively. So the hairline, um, you know, it's comprised of sort of one head follicle, so nice and soft and irregular, slightly asymmetrical. Um, and then the density is built up with the twos and threes. So that's the difference really between, you know, a good transplant and a, and a yeah. poor transplant. 
So in, in your case, Thomas, when you had this over sort of 2,000 hair follicles or clumps of hair follicles put in a different place, did they all stay there or did some of them fail and kind of fall out after a little while? Well, we've, and the thing is, I had this done in December. So we're now six months in and uh, six to eight months in, I suppose, one would say, being August. Um, you could say that there is a um, 50 to 60 percent take up right now and a hundred percent will be in 12 months time and then in 18 months we'll have another you know there's the key milestones as as Chris will say um no I mean I looked the thing is the most important thing is after the surgery you have to have two weeks of basically sitting you know you cannot fiddle with it you know you could wash your hair slightly after the first four or five days but you cannot and should not you know do anything after those two weeks you're fine i see okay so that, that it's kind of bedding in and getting yeah. happy in its new home yeah absolutely no a hundred percent but no, right. when 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 uh chris was saying so each follicle so some might have you know, it's probably a bit like um some might have one hair two hairs or three hairs so they each follicle is in is is incised and implanted into various parts of my head to his experience of where the best uh, place that follicle will look natural. And that's what I am so pleased with, is that uh, the result so far after eight months is um, completely natural. You wouldn't know. Exactly. As I told you. Sure. All right. Let, 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 let's ask another question. It looks fine now. And, you know, you, you know, you, you, you've gone through the uh, told us how, what sort of age you were when you first started thinking about it, etc. Now, uh, I'm sure you're hoping for a long, healthy life. When you're an 80 year old man, are you, are you going to have the same hair or are you, is it kind of going to naturally thin again? How does that work? Because an 80 year old man with that big head of hair, frankly, might look a bit funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, as Chris said, full honesty and disclosure. Um, yes. By the time you're 80, there will be some natural uh, hair loss. And, and, and that does happen. Is that right? Chris? Yeah. I mean, essentially, the transplanted hair um, doesn't seem to be susceptible to, you know, the, the, the process of male pattern hair loss. It's almost inevitable um as with everyone that you know we all go on to lose more hair as we as we get older um and i guess that's the benefit of fue flick unit excision that you know there's, there's not too much to see so if things you know get really thin you can cut it down pretty short and there's not too much evidence of of, of what's been going on i suppose that's the sort of worst case scenario but you know the non-surgical side of things which which me and thomas sort of discussed at length before proceeding um is one of the most important parts of hair restoration surgery um and that's you know should i be taking finasteride should i be using minoxidil to stabilize my hair um, and make sure i do get the best long-term aesthetic result because that's what we want for for all of our patients all right you, you mentioned a couple of uh drugs there with drug-like sounding names what are they what do they do so there's two licensed medications for treating male pattern hair loss in the UK. Number one is oral finasteride. Um, so essentially that's a medication which stops the conversion of testosterone 
to DHT. DHT is dihydrotestosterone, and that's what's causing that thinning and weakening um, of the hair. And then you've got minoxidil, um, and that's a topical preparation, and that works, I think, by increasing blood supply to the scalp, so more of a stimulant um, than anything else. Okay, all right. So you need it's good to increase blood supply to the scalp. So do 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 you recommend sort of after the bedding in period of a couple of weeks, a bit of uh, head massage, that sort of thing? Does that help? I mean, I'm not sure if there's much evidence for head massage, but yes, I mean anything that can increase blood supply to the scalp is is, is going to be of, of benefit. Um, you know, there's some evidence for low level laser therapy postoperatively. Um, but generally speaking, you know, if you, if you stick with the finasteride and the minoxidil, then, you know, you, they've got great evidence for them. Great evidence. OK. All right. Now, I, I'm assuming that this process, which has worked very well for Thomas, this is not available on the NHS, is it? No. Or is it? It is not. No. So I, I imagine this, this is uh, this is relatively expensive, Thomas. Uh relatively yes it's like any sort of procedure you choose to have done um yeah which is, isn't on the nhs you know i am um not 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 to be uh you know not to bland around any figures which i'm not going to do uh but you've got to remember i have got there's dr d'souza who is a surgeon a doctor trained in this country um, with his team of uh, surgical assistants, uh, you are in a state-of-the-art um, clinic uh, in in Harley Street, um, and yes, it, there is going to be a cost implication to having yeah. a professional really look after you, and and then of course there's all that aftercare as well, which is all encompassed with with everything. I mean, you know, when I left. When I left uh, after that day in December, um, Chris gave me his mobile number and said, "Yep, yeah, call me anytime. Um, yeah. I'm here. And, uh, you know, if you feel any problems, that's fine. Um, you know, give us a call, send us some photographs. You know, if you need to come in, just come in and we'll look after you. So an, an A1 service, in, in other words. And actually, Chris, I, is I, I couldn't fault it. Is 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 there an element of a uh, pre-op care as well? I mean, do you do, have you have you ever turned patients away because you're thinking actually maybe they're not going into this for the wrong reasons and they might just be better off thinking about it for a while? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's so important for for any patients who are considering hair transplant surgery to meet with the you know operating surgeon um, bef well before the day of surgery. Um, you know, there's there's. One of the most important aspects of hair restoration surgery is patient selection, uh, long-term operative planning. So you, you certainly don't want to rush into a hair transplant um, because, as you said, you know they, there's there's many patients who who aren't suitable for hair transplant surgery. Um, you know they may have unrealistic expectations uh, from what they can achieve, um, or on the other hand, they may have unstable hair. I.e., you know the sort of you know younger chap, maybe mid twenties, rapidly losing his hair, often makes a very poor candidate. For surgery because they'll be left with an unnatural pattern um right. you know and 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 that all needs to be discussed in in detail and often uh, going back to the non-surgical side um that should be started well in advance of any surgery being carried out yeah no i get it so the the, the reason for me bringing up potential costs was not was not to try and create gossip of how much thomas has spent on his surgery but uh, 
kind of draw attention to the, the, the real issue that, you know, this is expensive, uh, potentially expensive, uh, but it's worth paying to get a good service because this, you know, this can go horribly wrong. And uh, in some instances, they're, well, I was going to say kind of backstreet hair transplants. You might get people doing this that aren't necessarily particularly well qualified, not in the best position to do it. Um, and you do hear stories of people going overseas to have plastic surgery done and things going horribly wrong. Um, is that kind of a, a situation with hair transplants, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's not even not not very well qualified. There's you know people doing surgery, um, hair transplant surgery, with with no medical qualifications at all, um, which is which is r ridiculous. I mean, this uh, black market industry seems to. Um, have evolved throughout the world, and it's, it's certainly come to the UK, uh, where you know very low-priced surgery is, of course, um, you know a draw to, to some patients uh, who are financially sensitive, and you know hair transplant surgery is a costly procedure. Um, so a lot of patients are drawn in by by the package deals of you know the flights and the hotels um, and the surgery included, uh, but we often operate on on patients who have had poor results and. You know, they they explain the fact that you know actually if you, if you if you think about the cost involved of this plus the remedial work carried out, um, it ends up being you know actually more expensive than 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 what it would have been in the first place. Yeah, and so are, are there um, unqualified, poorly qualified hair transplant uh, technicians working in the UK, like backstreet hair transplants in the UK? Unfortunately, so we are aware of it occurring it's very very hard to pin them down it's very hard to get any real evidence to move that forward um but you know that's that's why it's something i'd like to to talk about because it's you know it's it's all about sort of patient education and making sure people are aware that they specifically ask you know who will be doing the surgery who's making the surgical incisions in my head um a lot of patients that again you when know when you put it like that who's making the cuts in my head it kind of focuses the mind a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's it's surprising how how there's some patients where they, they they don't do their own research. And you know, I suppose on the day you're you're in a, in a pretty vulnerable position. And I've had patients say that, you know, I, I knew something wasn't quite right, um, but I wasn't sure what it was, and I thought it would probably be okay. Um, and and often it 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 is not. So if if you do, I mean, patients that go to these kind of uh, unqualified backstreet hair transplant operations um you can get poor results i the hair looks a bit funny or it falls out or whatever uh which is bad enough can it also be dangerous i mean is there another element here that actually um you know you're putting your health at risk yeah i mean i suppose from um you know the, the reasons behind why people get hair transplant surgery um are many but for some, it can be, you know, a confidence issue, um, and they're often left sort of worse off in, in that regard, where they have a, you know, ruined donor, so they've taken too many grafts on the back and sides, um, a poorly designed hairline where it's very flat and low with poor density. So, you know, they're actually in a worse off position than 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 you know they were to begin with. Um, and then, yes, from a medical point of view, you can get complications such as necrosis so that's death of the, uh, the the skin tissue so that's when you over harvest it's a rare complication but probably the worst complication you can get with hair transplant surgery um so no i mean it's, it's a serious medical procedure um and it should be given you know it's 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 it's, it's thought to, to to you know how and who you're going to get to to do it 
Right. Very sobering. Right, I've, I've got another question which might come across as a bit of a silly question. So I, I apologise, but I, I'm, I'm not a health expert at all. I'm just Joe Public as far as uh, this is concerned. So I, I just ask the questions. This might be a bit of a silly question, but I'll ask it anyway. Getting cells to grow where kind of they haven't been um, and wanting, so in this case, kind of hair follicles or what have you, to, to, to grow nicely, etc., where they haven't been before. Just the, the whole business of getting things to grow where they haven't been, arguably where they shouldn't be, strikes me as potentially sometimes a bit serious because uh, after all you know that's what cancer is cancer is cells growing where they shouldn't be dividing where they shouldn't be is there any sort of i can see from the look of your face that this is a silly question but i'm going to persevere is get, getting cells to grow where they haven't been before is that ever potentially a bit dangerous i mean heterosmart surgery is moving hair from one place to another so and and you know we're we're not really doing we're not we're not really moving it to places where it hasn't been to be honest so in thomas's case um and often with 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 our patients you're it's it's a it's a very subtle sort of natural result which which people are looking for so you know we refuse to operate on patients where they say well we want a, a very low straight hairline um you know it, it should look nice and natural um no i i the, the, there's you know no medical uh grounds for 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 what, what you were sort of referring to um but yeah i mean hair transplant surgery is is a very safe um procedure if it's done correctly with very few complications yeah good all right that's the right answer thank you now considering everything we've just been uh, talking about is there kind of uh, a checker trade equivalent or um if, if you're thinking of having this done how can you know if the surgeon you're talking to you know is properly qualified or or is as i've kind of rather jokingly said a bit of a back street hair transplant operation yeah so in the uk um i would expect any decent surgeon to be a member of the british association of hair restoration surgery um that is our our association and um essentially all members are required to adhere to to the code of conduct uh, professional standards and any patient looking for hair transplant surgery in the uk should should certainly seek out a bars member um there are people that you know want want to go overseas, and and there's some great advice on the on the bars website as well for that. Um, internationally, the International Society of Hair Restoration Surgery, um, and then there's only one qualification um, for hair transplant surgery, and that's the American Board uh, diplomat status. Okay, you you touched on it, and I was going to say if people are listening to this and they want to find out some more information, what's a good resource? You actually mentioned the website, then can you mention that again, or or indeed any other resources? Yeah, so the British Association of Hair Restoration Surgery website, so www.bars.co.uk, um, would be my first port of call. And then you've got the ISHRS as well, um, which has got some great information on there. Okay. And lastly, from Thomas, if anyone is listening who's kind of thinking of having this done, you know, will it change your life, make you feel better? what's what's the advice you would give to someone who's thinking about this oh if you are thinking about it um it's a no-brainer just do it it's it's a relatively easy process yes it takes time you know i met uh chris sort of 18 months ago and had our first meeting and then you know it's taken 18 months to get to this stage but it is worth 
starting that ball rolling and exploring all avenues, whether you take finasteride first and then minoxidil to, to you know, the, the massage of the hair. Um, and then, if you know, the last result is the surgery. Um, it's, I have been so pleased and, you know, delighted with the results. I mean, it is everybody comments, my God, your hair looks amazing. My gosh, your hair looks amazing. You know, people say, all the, God, your hair looks good. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely worked for you, uh, Thomas. So I, yeah. I think that's going to be the perfect place to, to finish. So Thomas and, and Chris, thank you very much indeed for chatting. It's a, a topic with, of which I knew nothing. So thank you for uh, educating me. Uh, many thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks to my guests on this week's show, and they were uh, Thomas Forrester of Bargain Hunt and Chris D'Souza, who's a hair transplant surgeon. And of course, a big thanks to you uh, for listening. A big thank you to all the listeners as ever. And if you've got a question or a topic that you would like to be addressed, discussed, analysed or whatever on the show, please do let me know. I think the best way to contact me is my email, which is mike at relaxbackuk.com. Maybe you're an expert on a subject and you would like to be a, a guest on the show that's perfectly possible as well uh, i really am keen for people to ask questions about their health so if the show has fired some thoughts and some questions that you'd like to ask um, please do that but i say my main objective is to see if i can get people to think uh, about their health whatever it might be ask questions of themselves or of their doctor or whoever, if I can manage to do that, then I really am a happy guy. Now, once again, thank you for listening, and please do have a healthy week. Until next week. Thanks for listening to the Relax Back UK show. Join me, Mike Dilk, again next week for more fascinating interviews and chat. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe, like, and share it with your family and friends. And have a healthy week. Until next week.